One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Tone Aries podcast. I'm joined as always by my good friend Timmy Long. Hi everyone. Sean is on the light and sound. Why, Sean? Not too bad, how are you? I'm not too bad. And our social entrepreneur Ireland friend is here with us in the hot seas. Eileen, how are you? I'm really good. That's a lovely intro, thanks. Congratulations on your award. I'm yeah. right back at you. Yeah, so for people that don't know, uh, there was five different projects selected for a 20,000 grant from Social Entrepreneurs Ireland. The Tone podcast was one. And here together, your project was zero. So congratulations. But before we get into that, we we'll go right back so people get to know you a little bit. Where where are you from? I'm from Ballymun. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up there. Um, yeah, went to the Irish school there um, back in the 90s. Um, I had good times, I had bad times. You mm-hmm. know what Ballymun was like back then. Yeah. You're our third Ballymun guest. Ah, stop. Yeah, we're Shawnee Kinston. Shawnee, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Willow White. Will He's a, a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. the two lads and interesting men. A lot of yes. stuff going on yeah. in Ballymun at the moment. Recovery yeah. month is a big thing. It's above. a crazy place. Uh, like, we recorded a few podcasts last year in the Axis Theatre up there as well. Good. I heard Sean. He's yeah. done a little bit with. He's yeah. flying at the moment. He was on one of the Sunday papers the other day. He's doing a triathlon for the P- Peter Mac Ferry Trust. Yeah, and he does so well. And yeah. he came into the school yeah. with me to the kids. And he was down here a few times with us as well. He done a he done a, a triathlon, mini tri- triathlon for Cork Penny Dinners to raise funds for them. Yeah, and he comes down to the lads every once in a while. He came on the walk to his he way through wider walk. education. Yeah, yeah. But so I was talking to him on the walk, and he said that uh, when he came on the, the two and his podcast, uh, his business. Boomed after that because it gave him a platform, you know, mm. and he got a lot of work out of that. People get to see, get to see him, and then he goes into different organisations, you know, doing workshops and talks and stuff like that. So it's great. You so know we're what I mean? one of them now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's good to have a female, yeah. uh, female from Ballymun mm. come on share her story, and so we'll go back to where we started. So we'll go back growing up, and if you want to even just go into any details about how it was growing up family if big family small family yeah so we were a big family we were kind of the posh ones we yeah. lived in the houses not the flats yeah. um there were six of us i'm second youngest and i was the only one out of six to mess with drugs Um, i started really early 12 had my first joint mm. 15 then i was taking ease and acid and i was a full-blown heroin addict by 16. Cool. did me fifth and sixth year in school like like that. Mm. So it's pretty tough. Mm. 
kind yeah, of escalated easy. quick enough too, didn't it? Really quick. Mm. And um, it wasn't even my friends. It wasn't, I had to go find different friends that would do it with me. It was, it's a bit of a different story. Um, I did it alone and tried to hide it a lot. Mm. As you do. Friends. There's yeah. probably a lot of shame around heroin addiction yeah, back in the day too, yeah. I don't already remember, but there was a time when there was vigilantes. Concerned yeah. parents against drugs marching the streets. It was horrific. Mm. And when I look back at that now, like I was 16, mm. 17, and I was selling heroin at the time, but I was still a kid. And they were um, grown adults shouting at you, screaming at you, throwing stuff at you. Like nobody that takes that is okay. Uh, like I wouldn't look at a 17 year old now or a 16 year old and think oh you scumbag or do mm. you know what I mean nobody that does that is okay but how like what what brought you into that world how how are you growing up were you a quiet kid like what were we in um, school I loved primary school mm. I was like the model student um, great at camogie like had lovely friends and I think around like Ballymun was rough mm. Like, I mean, it was only later when I moved away and kind of went into treatment. I'll give you an example of what, uh, one bit that I look back at and I'm like, oh my God, um, the Gremlins is on, right? I'm yeah. like 10, 11. I remember. And I don't know, do you remember? <laughs> remember yeah, yeah. Do you remember when RT used to stop for the news? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Jesus and I Christ, ran across yeah. to the little shop fan and um, to the little... Yeah. So, containers yeah. that were shops ran across and uh, halfway between my house and the shop van a man fell in front of me fell off the flats he jumped off the flats but he was uh, on the ground and he was twisted and he, he knew he was kind of dead and I was yeah. like oh my god that's so bad but I carried on and got me sweets and then went back and told everybody mm. that was really common do, do you know what it sounds like it sounds like something that my, we can relate to as well myself and James you know when you grow up in an area where there's a lot of drug addiction mental health issues mm -hmm. crime violence when you hear of somebody that you know dying by suicide or murder or drug overdose it's an initial fright but you get on with it because you've learned to get on with it because it happens so frequently. Yeah, mm. you think it's, it's kind of normal. Yeah, it, yeah. So it is the norm, but where if you live in a different area, we won't say where, but it doesn't matter. It, it, it's not that frequent, and it really kind of shocks the whole community, but where we are, it kind of like you just have, right, you just have to kind of pick yourself back yeah. up again, don't you? Do you know what it reminded me of there when I was working in homeless service and, and hostel, which can be quite violent at times and mm. shocking, you know, overdoses and st stuff like that. There was this young fella came in. He was Eastern European. He had very little English. He was only about 18. And uh, usually people like that, when they come in, they're fucking afraid and they'll mm. be shocked. And there was one time there was somebody badly stabbed, you know, and he, like, he just walked and stepped over him didn't take attack out didn't yeah. take and then you're, you're looking and you're thinking like wonder what his background is he's seen stuff like this before he just went on about his business he wasn't afraid or intimidated he just went on you know and that's what it reminded me of so you become becomes like it's just another day the violence becomes normalized doesn't it another time i could tell you um calling for my friend she lived in the flats and i went around and there was the guard tape around the thing and obviously I got under it. 
up the stairs I went, but I slipped on a bit of what was like liver or something. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Straight up the stairs saying, oh, you never guess what's after happening. But found out later somebody got attacked with a thing you poked a fire with. Poker. Yeah. So that was just like a little kid growing up like that. Like at the time you think, and it was weird because we were from the houses and we were kind of, my mum and dad worked. Yeah. We should have been all right. So it was, do you know what I mean? You had friends and people you knew that knew were kind of messed up or whatever. So in their their minds, we should have been all right. Was your mum and dad stable? They were working, stable household? No, no. Well, well, stay working, but yeah. alcoholism and dysfunction and all of the rest that goes mm-hmm. with that, like, we're never violent or well, um, yeah. Even in like in 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 the home where there's addiction, then in a community, the wider area, there's lots of addiction and drug use. Very probably, uh, you're probably destined to take a drug at some stage, but to go into heroin use at such a young age is that common in Ballymun at the time or? Um, no, I was really young. Yeah. Like what I was. Um, Can you remember how you were first exposed to it? Yeah, I actually was, I got a part-time job in uh, Baggistry, mm. Quinsworth, I think it was called yeah. at the time. And I met a girl there and she, um, I didn't even know what it was. Like, I was really young, 15. Um, we went up to Stevens. I was fascinated with kind of drugs and mm. different things and... Um, so I've been taking ecstasy and stuff, but I didn't even know what heroin looked like to smoke it. Like, anyway, we went up to Stevens Green, and that was my first up in the toilets up there. Smoking. Yeah, and I literally got sick everywhere. It was green for the day, mm. but um, I still went back. I wanted to do it again, but it was like that. The feeling I can tell you what it was like. Even though I felt sick and I got sick, it was like someone just put like. A warm blanket around mm. you. It was oh, like, yeah, do you? Yeah. you say that too? Yeah. There's yeah. nothing. There was. There's nothing like it. Like. Thanks be the fuck. I know. Whatever. Whatever. What? It doesn't matter. Like you look at someone that's in bits of hair and you think, Ah, Jesus, God loves them. They don't care. They're like. Mm. Comfortable in the shit. Yeah. And how did it escalate from there? Um. Like. I met a boyfriend and he was selling it, so it was really easy. And I started selling it. And, and was your heroin habit at that point after getting? Oh yeah, I couldn't wake up in the bad. morning. And there was a um, my parents found out I was messing with ease and stuff. They didn't think it was that bad, but um, yeah, they, they, I was really lucky. They sent me to Greece, so mm-hmm. we, we, I went for three months in the summer holidays. What age were you then? Uh, 16, 17, mm. well, I was still in school, so it was the, the three months, um, and it was there, I went kicking and screaming, I didn't want to go, I had mm. a sister, 10 years older, that was living there, mm. and uh, yeah, I went over kicking and screaming, but it's where I got to see what kind of normal or different was, oh. and it's when I started to kind of understand how messed up Ballymun was, mm. and how messed up the situation was, like, um, I still took drugs till I was 29, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, oh yeah. But did you go, like after that trip to Greece, did you go back using heroin? Ah, yeah. You yeah, did? Yeah, yeah. So what did, was that was more like respite, so? For rest, yeah. And I would have called myself, when I went into, I would have said I was clean yeah. through these periods, but I wasn't. I was using everything else. I was smoking hash every day yeah, and yeah. I was taking coke and different stuff, so. 
was what never we, not taking drugs. But where was your life at home? Were you able to hide the drug use from your mum and dad? Um, or was it causing conflict? Or what about school? School, I'm really angry at school I went to, to be honest. Mm. Like, I was the last two years like that, and I was in bits. Like, there's no way they didn't know. Mm. Um, and I'm just glad that things are different now, that there's... Mm. You guys mm. making awareness, people like us, mm. um, kind of making a difference. Because back at that time, when I look back, I feel really sad. For There's no intervention, yeah. I feel like. Nothing. Uh, in spite of probably loads I of red flags. I was literally asleep on the table and everything. Like, I'd be late all the time. I'd be, mm. like, you could tell. So, yeah, I, get, I get have a bit of resentment around mm. that. Like. There's a lot going on for you. You know, a lot of stuff going on for you back then. So, I used to get up in the morning over to the block sell a batch mm. be in me taxi run home get into my uniform get a taxi down to school constantly constantly <laughs> running and running and running entrepreneur a I young know age. I was doing huh? that's like you're a social <laughs> entrepreneur a young age kick back at that later when we go to the college <laughs> bit and um, it served me yeah. well later on yeah. but at the time it was horrific like. and did you ever ever before all that started like because uh, you seem like a quite quiet girl Bri. yeah did you ever f see anything like this happening before beforehand or, or like did this just completely take off and go I just loved drugs yeah. I loved heroin Me like too. so much it's like my I, best pal I completely yeah. understand I loved cocaine and, and, and prescriptive meds and James it was heroin it was just self-medicating to block out yeah. The shit that's going on for you. Yeah. But the shit that was going on for me, like I was uh, diagnosed with clinical depression. I was yeah. in and out of Vincent's. I was in and out of counsellors. I was, there was something wrong with me, like, mm. and none of it worked. Like, they put me on medication. Um, so the side effects of some of the medication was worse than the, mm. so it was like I was trying, like I, I didn't want to be like that. Yeah. And I didn't want to be on drugs, but it's the only thing that made me feel half. Yeah, half normal. Like mm. we, it's, it's like the saying goes. We we'll always go to the, the the one thing that makes us feel any bit normal. You know, um, like what the drink and the drugs used to give me, used to give me confidence, self esteem. You know, these were things that I didn't naturally have. Yeah. Without drinking drugs, and when I had these, it gave me the courage to go up and speak to women. Mm. You know, it gave me com all these different. It, things that I didn't have and I suppose if you're getting that from using a substance and you're feeling good even the ecstasy back in the day I remember I remember the love that I used to feel I used to be I'd kill you on a Friday and come a Saturday night after taking tweez I could be fucking giving you hugs and kisses and everything you know so that was a magic time that was uh, a magic time back I in the 90s yeah, yeah well, uh, the ecstasy like the size and the, the 90, the 90, yeah, early yeah, 90s, like 90s, early 90s, late 90s, early 90s yeah. for me. But blind by the, the podcast of the day, was it was about something random now. But he spoke about uh, Mitsubishi Chunkies, Mitsubishi yeah, Ecstasies. Right that was the first day I took the doves, the, the, doves. Yeah. the doves is before my time now. The speckled doves, then, uh, yeah, they you're showing your age now, lads. Back then, man, <laughs> 20 pounds in yeah, but you'd be fucking twisted by. For ten hours, the great value. I walk up in a ditch one morning with a fox in front of me, standing there. <laughs> I was after getting chased by the girls through the fields. Uh, I'm looking on my heart at the next blood running through the fields, right? And this is factual. Yeah. 
I got into the ditch anyway, and I curled up because they were up and down the ditch, up and down the ditch, up and down the ditch, and I was inside the ditch anyway, and the jacket wrote rap. I must have nodded off or else went into cuckoo land, you know, anyway. <laughs> Next, anyway, I popped the head up around the knees to see where, where they gone from around the ditch. There's this fella, two ears cocked that way, and the two legs in front of him, and he's staring at me straight into the eye. <laughs> Like, this fella would have devoured me, you know. I was a young fella at the time. I was about 15 or... I was about 15, 14 or 15. I wasn't a big kid, no, or nothing at the time. And I just... You know what I done? Because I, I just put the head back down and I just... I just left them off. Do you know, but fucking... That was, that's, that's one of my ecstasy stories, anyhow. Oh. You know, but uh, madness. Do you know, with the, with the heroin, did you yeah. stay using the heroin or did you move away from that as you matured? That was always my my where I ended up. Yeah. yeah. And every time I went back to it, it got worse. And in the end, it was heroin and crack. Mm-hmm. And I had a daily habit. It was anything from three hundred to seven hundred euro, whatever I had. Like uh, people don't believe you when you say oh, that. I believe it. Trust but me. it was that mm-hmm. much. Um, Have you any kids? Two. What ages? They're seventeen and thirteen. How did so you manage that? When I got pregnant the first time, we actually uh, met Leah's dad in Greece. We were together for two, probably ten years. Um, when I was pregnant, I stopped smoking and everything. Mm. It was like t- the fact that I had somebody else. Yeah, yeah. that's actually very common. I, I, c- I couldn't even yeah. smoke a fag. Like, mm. um, Just the maternal instinct kicked in. Seriously, you know. Um, like... When she came out, I was outside the hospital having <laughs> having yeah. a cigarette, but I didn't use till she was probably one, and I just got all that stuff back. Mm. Like the the thing of being responsible for another little human as well, like that was overwhelming. And I moved into Bell Camp. I bought a house in Bell Camp Crescent. I don't know whether you know that place up in Priorswood. Is it a quiet area? Is there a halt inside up that way? God, yeah, I, I think swear to God, you think you come from Ballymun and you've seen it all. This yeah. was Patrick McCann, traveler we done the podcast, lived in Belcamp. I'm telling you, I so never yeah. Uh, yeah. experienced anything like it in my life. So we bought a lovely four bedroom house. Knew the area was dodgy, but you kind of think mm. you're from Ballymun, mm. kind of probably cope with it. Um, it was horrific. He'd wake up to exploding tires. Many mm. nights, one night there was a day after stealing an ambulance and um, mm. rallying That's around the green yeah. in an ambulance. That is fucking mad. You no idea, mm. it was a heroin den. So I started cutting a couple of the local lads' hairs and stuff and just ended up back full blown. Mm. Sure, as soon as you get that feeling back, I you know, know that feeling. It's like that's it, and it's not. It's way faster the second time. You pick up where you left off with but it and with interest. More. Yeah. yeah. So that it's savage it like. Like, mm. like that's one fear I have, James, around anything like that. Going back to where I left off is a week or two away from death. That's it. Do you know what I mean? I know. Do you know and when they're telling you that, you don't really believe it, but when you experience it, it's like that's lives exactly mm. like that. And you were functioning at that time as a, as a, a job, like, do you know a mother, what? a partner. When I found, it looked great from the outside, yeah. but like, um, when I found um, hairdressing, mm. that gave me something different. That gave me 
it was the first time I felt confident. I was really good at it. Um, I got to kind of, it's the first time I didn't want to use. Mm. Um, I got into a lovely shop. I started training. I moved up really quickly. Got to do some really cool stuff. Um, and I just loved it. I'd stand behind that chair in the morning and I would be a different person. Like, and I used to have panic attacks going to work. Half, I sometimes I had to get off the bus halfway mm-hmm. to work because I get that anxiety. But behind the chair, I was like, yeah. Um, so that was a new feeling. I found something. So obviously, I latched onto that as well, and I became a really amazing hairdresser. Really quick. Do you know that feeling you spoke about there? The heroin took that away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Today you don't have that feeling. I don't have that no. feeling without the drugs because we heal. Yeah. Through doing work on ourselves, don't we? I call myself recovered now. Yeah. I don't think I'm recovered from drug addiction, but I still have work to do. Like mm-hmm. I still mm-hmm. struggle with relationships and like As like everybody in the room here. <laughs> you know? But you know what, like I actually went back to therapy probably about three, four weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, like working down here together, being super busy, you know, you're kinda neglecting yourself so not that I even wait till that till I feel I haven't wanted drugs in so long now um, because I have my life full with great stuff and you're doing absolutely amazing things with your life today and that'll be the next thing you're going to tell us about what is here together and how it started it started from um, in the GAA club I went Mm. back playing camogie after what's the GAA club Satanta GAA in Ballymun. Um, I was after going through a really rough breakup. I met Lily's dad in rehab. Mm. We were together for probably what six years. What rehab were you in? Ashoiree. What is in Tipperary? Yeah, yeah. Ah. Um, I went to detox five forest over to Leeds to. Uh, I couldn't actually get into mainstream help here. I couldn't yeah. get. I found it really hard to get help mm, here. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I swear to God, I, all I wanted to do was get well. Like I had a, had a kid, I had had a counsellor that um, pulled a few strings and got me into soil shit in mm-hmm. town, yeah, a place uh, called uh, Soil Shit. Is it like a day programme? Yeah, and it's like all you have to do is give like... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Like two or three clean urines a week and mm. I couldn't do that for love nor money. Like, mm. I was so confused. I felt bad letting him down because I couldn't I give two or three and he was, he was after get, doing me a favour to get me in so I was so confused. Um, so there's this place Detox Five in Leeds. I think it was something like six grand, five, six grand to go over and to basically knock you out wow. with horse tranquilizers for five days. Really? Um, and I came back in bits. Like, I think I was like barely seven and a half stone going over. I was staying me coming back. Indeed. Did your family... Do, did your f- all your family know what was going on at this point? My sister knew. My mum knew there was, I wasn't right, but she, they didn't tell her till I was gone. Mm. Um, what age were Twenty. Twenty-nine. Mm. So full-grown adult. Mm. <laughs> I sold me house. Probably visually. Split, yeah. You know, uh, and physically, but. I think. Yeah, but they weren't going to. They nearly weren't going to do it. It flew over, um, and I was after been hospitalised twice. As soon as I started taking crack. That was it. My health literally mm. went down the tubes really, really quick. The um, mm. crack cocaine has that effect. Do you want to explain a little bit about the crack and how, what it does to a person? So it's like the heroin really doesn't work after a while and you can take as much as you want and it just stops you being sick, really. Um, you just can't function without it. Mm. Um, so yeah, the, the crack was totally different. Like you'd... You can, there's no end to the amount you can smoke mm. and it's just straight away you get that kind of euphoria and then you're doing that and then you're smoking heroin at the same time so my lungs were in bits mm. literally like uh, I couldn't even breathe properly but in my mind I was never really a real addict and I was never supposed to be like that so I never injected mm. the doctor was always trying to get me on methadone I still didn't I don't know what was wrong with me. I probably should have. Mm. <laughs> I don't. You must have had a lot of days sick. I still don't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That's not nice, is it? No. I stayed away from methadone for a long time as well, because a lot of my friends were on methadone, but they were they were still using girls, you know. Mm. And I was I always added in my head that as bad as I am on the gear, one five or six days they are locked in a room and I'd be fine. But I knew if I went on methadone that I was kind of accepting it, that this is going to be it for me. Same, and I wasn't yeah. willing to do that. Oh, me neither. But eventually I did go on methadone, but it was for a short period of time, actually, to get into a detox. Mm. That brings up the other point I wanted to say. The threshold to get people into treatment is too high, and the lack of detox beds is, is terrible. So there's one detox facility in Carlow, where I was, uh, St. Francis mm-hmm. Farm, the detox from methadone and benzos but like it's so hard to get in there i was actually up there a few weeks ago to visit the treatment center myself and a couple of my friends and the detox was closed down and i had been for a few weeks because they had no gp and there were about 500 people on the waiting list for it and there's nothing like it in the country ridiculous I think it's mental. Like it's I was so confused back then. I was like, I'm ready for help. Like, mm. and then I came back from that place, and I couldn't get into Ashoiri because I was on all sorts of medication coming back. Do you know when you're ready for help like that, right? The difference between life and death is is hours and days. Yeah. Um, it's it's and that's all you have because, like, 
you could OD. You yeah. could some some people take their own lives because they can't handle it anymore. You I don't know. know if you're if you're in a care like you would a stable accommodation at this time. Yeah. But there's people then that are in homelessness. How can you actually get them stable enough to give three orings over the course of a month mm. when they're living in complete chaos and there's no safety or structure? Yeah. Like it's you know, this so so stacked against them. They're actually better off going to jail for a few months and then kind of trying when they get out. But then the problem is when they get out, it's back into the cycle of it again. But you sold your gaff in bell camp. Good riddance, as you. <laughs> I made a nice price on it though. I actually great. bought it in 2004 and sold it in 2008. Good time to sell a house. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So it was really good. So it was a good start. I had a good start and I knew what I was doing with the money. I was literally just getting So that's better. 14 years ago? Yeah. 14 years. That's a good good time. Like. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did you do when you came out of Ashery? Um, Like I broke up with the Greek okay. Leah star and um, I'm sure I came out with Lily star. I was never on my own since. Yeah. Um, and he was from Waterford, so we moved down there. We were both in recovery. Um, I did like that the four weeks in Ash Irie and I went in thinking, sure, I'm not, I'm not that bad. I always had in my mind I wasn't that bad for some <laughs> reason. Like you say, I'm, I'm laughing because of the uh, uh, how, how much I, I can relate. Yeah, yeah. Like I should have been locked up loads of times, yeah. but I think it's because I'm yeah. soft and yeah. whatever. Like I got away with blue murder. Like so, um, yeah, moved to Waterford. Stayed down there for a few years. Yeah, had Lily. Um, and it was going good, like, but I was getting better, yeah. and he didn't. Yeah. So. Just make a call then. Yeah. Sometimes it can be a very tough call too, can't mm. it? Can be is is an even change for somebody to have to put so much change into their lives, and and that might even be a relationship, and then having to move back to Dublin and. That was horrific. Yeah. Like literally, I loved it down in. Mm. Was so beautiful hard. City it was one of the hardest nice. things I ever did and I did it clean <laughs> so I had no but you know what that's where sport and hair comes actually I went driving mm. trucks did you? I went on a mad one Jesus you should have to throw in some <laughs> snowball into it there driving trucks whatever I have in my mind I'll do it so basically it was just a distraction when, I, get, when I moved back up I hadn't settled in a salon properly yeah. and um, long story short got my Arctic licence and <laughs> did it for a few no, years. No, for anybody can't see Eileen here, right? Eileen's about what? Five foot five, Very five or six, yeah. and she's a lady. You know, I couldn't picture her now with her done uh, degrees. <laughs> yeah. And I and took honking the horn there, some <laughs> bad driver next door. I know, yeah. And I took no crap from them outfellas <laughs> that have been moaning about a day in the truck, a day in the salon. way player. harder. Well done. You, know, you, you raised a good point there because people in treatment centres, this is shown in some treatment centres and stuff like that. Um, relationships in treatment centres and now early recovery, even. But especially in treatment centres, they're not advised for the reason that you experience. Because if you have ten people in a, a group in a treatment centre, the the relapse rate is very high. And if you get involved in a relationship in that environment, probably one of you is not going to make it. Do you know, one of you is probably going to go back using. Do you know, and it it just and it becomes it, it can become into a codependency, and your recovery is based on somebody else, where you have to kind of stand on your own two feet. You know. Yeah, 
they did everyone told everyone warned warned us mm-hmm. um and they even wanted me to go to a place called renew down in oh yeah. that's what we're from be- yeah. is it yeah. yeah they told me basically in a group setting and there's me thinking i'm not that bad because uh. i still have this vision that i'm nice and soft and i'm not really like mm. yeah. the others but they basically in a group told me you have no hope after four four weeks here and we'd like you to go to renew they got the family in the Everyone was saying, it's mm. fine, go, mm. we look after Leah. But I knew in my heart and soul it was going to be okay. I knew whether I was deluded and I'm okay because I just believed it. Or I don't know. I just knew I was going to be all right, so I didn't go. So how long were you mourned for the mother age when you went back to Dublin? Um, When I got clean, 29 to 25. 15 I came back so mm. mid 30s yeah and did you go back to Ballymun yes back to the family home yes what was that like it was, it was really it was a really sad time I was up and down to court mm. like it wasn't an easy breakup with a bar in okay. order and it was really awful like mm. um, the kids were so upset they didn't want to go either and it, like I'll cry even thinking can be it tough that sounds like it was a tough period we were so probably. settled like yeah. lovely neighbours mm. um, they told me after um, when I got out of treatment one of my things was I wasn't allowed to work as part of my recovery because sometimes I used that yeah. as a thing so you're not to work for two years and I couldn't help it I started blow drying the local neighbour <laughs> <laughs> she was off to bingo. She, they saw her hair and I had the whole bingo yeah. crew passing my house and they were all deadly oh, trendy haircuts. So And how did you start hair together? Tell us what about tell us what hair together is. It's a ten week programme we run where we teach hairdressing and barbering, but it has a wraparound personal development programme. Yeah. That's so a massive part of it, isn't it? Oh, huge. Um but they come for the hair. But they get well more than that. So basically, uh, I got the inspiration from, I'm a session stylist as well. So I get to travel around and do fashion shows like Paris Fashion Week, Copenhagen Fashion Week. And the company I work for, they're called Kevin Murphy. And I love their culture. I love everything about them. Like they're they're different. Mm. It's like a community. It's like a family. We don't even call them workmates. It's Mm. like family so I kind of took that experience that we have backstage and how we work together how we get on and kind of how we have to be to work backstage in into the program so yeah they learn hairdressing and barbering and the end goal is that they have to uh, produce a model so they learn a new skill every week and then um, they do a catwalk style fashion show so we get models makeup artists videographers so it's a whole experience um and like that, we've had interest from addiction centres too. I think it's perfect for someone coming out of that because they, you know, yourself, when you come out, you have nothing, your boredom kicks in, you you know what it's like. These, these boats we're in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But even like for for people in prison, I think it would be great as well. I was down in Shelton yeah. Abbey. Them a great skill, like. Yeah, they and work, it's like something yeah. that they can they, they can be independent with with it and earn money when they get out. Yeah, but like we complement any course they're gonna do, so they find that like hairdressing and barbering and tattooing is the kind of big things that 
prisoners or addicts go towards mm-hmm. but it's actually harder than they think to do so we're kind of the program that will give them the excitement or the yeah. experiential learning journey so that when they are going through their real training they'll kind of tap into that and remember like that feeling I got that I kind of yeah. and it's a cr- it's a great industry and you're changing lives yeah because I know a lot of them are young people as well that's how that's yeah. who we're with now at the mm. moment we're working with a group of uh, young people from Tuesday mm. and it started off in the GAA I was vice chairperson mm. when I was truck driving trying to keep myself busy uh, on the move back to Dublin and um there was two or three lads and they were selling crack cocaine. They were 14 and 14. And like literally it broke my heart. I, so I can't believe this is going on now mm. still since the 80s. And yeah. it really hit me. I was like, what can we do? Like, So we made up the best program, which was kind of bringing education and sports together within the club to keep them interested in the winter months. Um, so they wouldn't be hanging around the streets and whatever. So we did cooking with them and we brought them to the gym and then the hairdressing and barbering something I can give them. So I was like, could you give them blades and mm. <laughs> stuff? So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, pal of mine, um, he's in recovery too, Tony, he's part of hair together. I said it to him, like 100% bring them up. And the first night we had, um, we had some uh, kids from Satanta and the Poppentry at Youth Action Projects that were interested in barbering um, and they just loved it. The first night, like me and Tony were super busy and we just knew from that night that we had some magic and mm. we just had to find a way to to do it. So we didn't set out to make her together. It just kind of happened. happened. And do you know when things like that happen and they become what they are now, mm-hmm. they're supposed to be. 100%. They're supposed to be. I literally know. changed everything. Went back to college, left mm. my job. Um, I kind of thought that I was stupid because I didn't finish school properly. I did, but I, d- I didn't. I don't even remember it really, to be honest. Um, so I went back to do, to Ballsbridge College for their education to do business. And I, I realised that I'm doing business my whole life. Yeah. Like I thought I'd have to start from the bottom, mm. but I'm really smart that way. Yeah. I just didn't have the the credential to go over so it. So that gave me huge confidence, kind of knowing that I understood what was what happened in the business world, and yeah. um, I went on then to do DCU, um, organizational management, commu- community organizational management, and got a distinction in that. Mm. <laughs> so your confidence like, is starting to build yeah. now as well here. So I can, and I'm yeah. doing it like and you're changing core mm. beliefs in within yourself as well. We won a global award, mm. the Kevin Murphy Icon Award. That was like over a hundred applicants globally. Jesus, you're here together, wouldn't that? Yeah, just there we were. They flew us to Berlin. Mm. Congratulations! It was unreal. Did the kids go over with you as well? No, it was just yeah. stuff. Just to yeah. yeah. Um, but they came over and they visited Ballymun. Yeah. So you had the MD of Kevin Murphy and the um, the global strategic mm. manager, and the they had a style master. So she's like one of the big heads in the company. Come over, and we were in Ballymun, and we got three of the different groups together. Yeah. They wanted to see what hair together class was like, mm. and the whole community chipped in. We were up in the Aspen student accommodation. They have like a rooftop terrace. Mm. Um. 
and they had a class. So we had kids from Trinity Comp, the comprehensive. We had the first ever pilot group assistant. So they were assisting. Mm. So they were th- once you once you're with us, you know, with us, you'll either come back to model or you'll come yeah. back to help. Or yeah. so it's like that community kind of thing. You're, you're never gone. If you want help going forward, work experience, jobs or whatever, we're there as well. We've huge support from the hair industry as well. That's great. Is there anything like it outside of Dublin? Do you know anybody else doing something similar? I mean, my own little, we're in our own little bubble. I yeah. actually, like, I'm so busy. I don't yeah. get a chance It's a great to idea, though, for somebody to replicate. Uh, like, yeah. if it works well in Ballymun, it'll work well in Knocknahini or Myras or anywhere. Works already in Cavan and, like, What's we've... And, uh, and th- uh, that's, that was my next question. What yeah. are the plans for here together going forward? So we have big plans, like, yeah. definitely going national and we're not ruling out going global too quickly yeah. either because does it with that in that global stage mm. there's lots of hairdressers asking how do you do that what do you do what do you do how mm. do you do it so mm. that's all in there now five year plan what does it mean for you and your organization to get the grant from the social entrepreneurs Ireland? that was literally like mm. you know how hard it is trying to juggle everything like and you know it's worth it so you keep doing it yeah. and i nearly didn't apply for that the application was tough no very no, tough application so for James I looked at this I was there for a night and I'd uh, I'd stay up for about six or seven hours and I couldn't even get something on the page and James just just sorted it out he's good with the applications but the application but was tough there's a, a zoom interview then there's an in-person interview up in UCD it's a long application process but when you get it then it's like fucking hell this didn't come easy yeah. you know and they and know we're yeah. worthy of it like it they oh know yeah. if they're going through that route and do you know what we we both found as well do you know the people that are involved with they're absolutely Stop. amazing people and they're all there for the right reasons mm. and even the people that they want to put you in contact with and us in yeah. contact with and connect us all with yeah. yeah, that alone is worth. So more than outside 20. of the finance that they gave us, they gave us a lot of other stuff as well, the mentorship and the coaching yeah. pieces, which are vital for up and coming entrepreneurs. And I even feel aware saying that because we never really started this out as a business; just kind of happened, you know, mm. just happened. Yeah. yeah. But they spot that, like, yeah. and it's like it's so hard, and you're on your own, and like you're so busy with your own lives and mm. stuff that you don't get to explore that. That yeah. was my, like, the last year I've really seen a whole other side to Ireland, I suppose, where there's loads of people like us out there. I know. And then you get that buzz kind of like. Oh. Isn't it great to see so much good within all our communities? But yeah. even the energy in that room yeah. when we went to meet everyone. Yeah. And they were lovely, weren't they? Yeah, but just, like, it's great. There's a support there. Yeah, well. But it's hard, it was hard to find out about it. Or I know. I did work experience in, um. I got to do a really cool leadership po- program, the Common Purpose Emerging mm. Leaders, um, and it was from there that I kind of that world started opening up to me, and that's where we got the job with Tusla and yeah. um. So like the doors so are many to cool so people out there. The um, doors are starting to open. So you're in Cork this weekend. So what what brought you to Cork? So in my week, I wear three yeah. different hats <laughs> on my hairdresser. Yeah. I do my clients. I love that. I'll do it till the day I die. I don't care how. Yeah. yeah. Like I just love doing hair. Um, and then I'm an educator for Kevin Murphy. Um, that's who I do the shows with and travel so a bit with. So is that like a hairdressing so school? 
um, that's like a brand. So yeah. then their distributors, National Beauty, they're there in Blarney. Yeah. Business Park. So they're they're doing great as well. Mm. They give us loads of support. They supply us with like all products and yeah. they're our number one fans since mm. day one. So it's great. Great stuff. Um, yeah, so we're down there educating a lot of educators together. So you don't educate this weekend this it's Yeah, so it was like they were educating the educators uh, and then we go off then to different parts of the country sharing yeah. sharing all the latest knowledge. Busy lady. You're busy, busy, busy lady. Well, You're putting your Yeah. What was we going to say? Should we'll we'll bump into any uh, in that event thing for the social entrepreneurs all in November. And uh thanks for coming over to meet us. It's lovely talking to you. And uh, thanks for sharing here. your thanks story as well. Asking. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And um like to everybody in Ballymun. Yeah, yeah. It's feel like we've a bit of a connection with Ballymun now at the moment. Yeah. Might you, pop you up and get flats. her here, of the next yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but uh thanks a million and thanks Sean Timmy thanks, and thanks, everybody, everybody next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.